Hey folks, thanks for joining me on Ultra Habits. I'm your host, Arjun Singh. My show is dedicated to all things executive. Here, we understand the unique challenges of executive life and the things that will no doubt come up in your business and personal life that have the potential to impact you negatively. On this show, we interview the world's top minds from the fields of business, medical, military, sports, the sciences, academia, and much, much more. Our goal is to leave you after every episode with more knowledge, wisdom, and awareness that ultimately help you improve your habits and move you and keep you at peak performance. Enjoy. And again, folks, thanks for joining me. Have you ever woken up and realized that you are no longer living the life that you wanted to live? On the outside, everything looks great. You have built a persona and message that everyone loves. And at some point, you did too, just not anymore. What do you do when you've become a prisoner of the identity that you have spent so long carefully crafting? On the outside, it's all smiles, but on the inside, you're crying. Today, we are joined by Dr. Natalia Wachowski to talk about her experience with realizing that she was simply not happy anymore, but she wanted to make a change. She wanted to live authentically. Enjoy. Welcome to Ultra Habits. It is amazing to have you on the show. How are you going? Thank you so much for the invitation, RJ. I am very, very well. Super excited. All the newness, the freshness. You've got a beautiful background going on there. Lots of sun. Where are you at? Bonnie! Never... Yeah. Yeah, so are you enjoying it down there? Like, has it, is this your first time in Bali? The second time. I think I was here the first time maybe so 14 years ago, more or less. And now I'm spending more time, or I'm splitting, I'm splitting my time between Dubai, where I lived for 14 years, and then uh, Bali, and also regularly Germany because, or Germany and Poland, because this is where my family lives. Ah, uh, okay. What's the, um, how do you find the vibe in Bali? Like, you know, like I, I know I saw you in Melbourne maybe a month ago. Yeah. yeah. Now you're in Bali. Like, how has life unfolded for you whilst you've been there? I found it a journey, to be very, very honest. So I went here with a naivete of, yeah, it's island life. Wow, whatever. And then I understood what that actually meant. Well, if we think about polarity, island life or islands tendency-wise are more feminine energy. That means there is a lot of going with the flow. It requires a lot of flexibility. Some people might talk about chaos. You have to learn or adapt to react or to be more adaptive, flexible, however in the way how you live your life and the way how you work and everything. Otherwise, you're going to go insane here, if I want to put it that way. So I had, I was reminded how, how stuck I was in certain aspects of my life in the sense that I want things to be that way and things have to be that way and this is the right structure, this is the right order. If it's not exactly how I want it to be, that I'm going to go uh, turn angry and just... I don't know, get or live and breathe in that energy for the rest of the day. So who am I penalizing? Myself. So I definitely say that Bali is a little bit like an invisible therapist, still showing me aspects of micromanagement or 
expectations that might not be healthy. Have you seen that rom-com with George Clooney? And uh, and uh, my wife had me watch it with uh, uh, Julia. Uh, what's she think of Paradise? Yeah, they, they try to break up their kids' marriage, and it's in Mali. It, it, yeah, it's crazy, right? Like, would you say that Germany, in that context, was quite a masculine uh, context? Then, if you if you if you're all right, okay. So you're 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 coming with this kind of masculine driver con de- you know style get it done and and now you're in this kind of more free-flowing yeah okay what was the middle east easy for you being german or was that like how did you find that in the co- beginning i didn't like it because i perceived it as very chaotic but then I think it also makes a big difference of where you are. So I started out in Alain, which is definitely a smaller city than Dubai. That's at least how it feels to me. Plus, it was more traditional and it was more Arabic. And then when I moved to Dubai, total different vibe. Plus, the UAE evolved or changed massively over the last 15 years. You can't compare it. So for me, definitely the UAE in the beginning was a teacher of patience and also of flexibility. And I must say that especially Dubai towards the last years was also very, very structured, very ambitious, very go, 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 do, do, do. Dubai to me in the end felt a little bit like a New York of the Middle East. So definitely more masculine. When you arrived in Dubai, being a woman and obviously someone that has you know, a tendency to move to, towards masculine tendencies in, in, in the terms of, you know, being a driver and in, in, in what we classify as typical masculine energy, I suppose, right? Get it done, get it done, get it done. Was it easy for you as a woman to adapt? And like, were you, were you, was it okay for you to be like that in such a kind of male orientated context? Or was there, did, did you, was it challenging, I suppose? Not really, because what I found super fascinating that I met people from everywhere. I met people from Australia. I met people from, from France, from South Africa, from Pakistan, from China. And the biggest thing that I've learned was that the reality or the way of doing things doesn't exist. And I allowed myself to question everything and to ask questions, you know, what does marriage mean to you? What's your relationship to God or the universe? Um, What do you do on the weekends? And I realized that I had a very narrow way of perceiving the world. And I learned so much from, again, asking a lot of questions. And I would approach them with a childlike curiosity but also with humor. So I would channel my inner idiot or clown and say, well, you know, I'm German. I just left in the country. I have no clue. Tell me. I want to learn. And that was one of the best gifts I ever gifted myself with because people are honored when you ask questions and when you want to understand them and their culture. and, And I mean, if we all would be maybe a little bit more curious, then we would be definitely less judgmental. So there would be more joy, I guess, and maybe even more peace and balance. Yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. So let's 
start to unpack your journey now. The last time we spoke was maybe, I'd say, four or five years ago. And you have been known as a kind of LinkedIn influencer and someone behind the influencer, someone that has helped, you know, coaches, entrepreneurs, executives gain prominence on LinkedIn. And that's kind of how we all have come to know you. How is the Natalia of yesterday uh, different to the one that I'm talking to? Like, how have we, how has your journey evolved since we had that conversation, you know, four years ago? Like, what are you up to now? <laughs> mm. Okay, let me squeeze five years into three and a half minutes. Yeah. <laughs> Just kidding. So, last time, I think. Five years ago, yeah. Okay, that makes sense. So I realized at a certain stage that I really want to understand what is this scaling all about? Everybody talks about you need to scale your business and if you really want to become a millionaire, you need to blah, 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 blah. And I said, you know what? Everybody talks about it. Super cool. Let me try that. So I worked with an agency that definitely helped me scale. And we've, so I think, 5X'd our revenue in the first year and then doubled it. So then... To cut a long story short, 2000 and what was it? End of 2021, I had a look at my business and my life and everything. And I asked myself, okay, what is it that you want to achieve next year? Revenue wise, there was like, okay, you want to double it again? You want to triple it again? Hmm. To be very honest, I didn't feel any kind of excitement. So I realized, well, maybe it's nothing related to the business. And I asked myself, so what is it that you want to do? What... Obviously, you're not really happy. What is it? And I realized that I had built myself or worked myself into a corner in which I didn't enjoy my work anymore because I worked too much. I had the thing that I couldn't express myself creatively. And if I wanted to catch up with my friend, I needed to book an appointment with them two weeks in advance and I thought that this was madness and besides that I realized that I became more and more aggressive and I wanted to cry based on the smallest things just something would happen and I was like don't cry don't cry because I didn't allow myself to cry because I didn't have the emotional tools to process emotions dark emotions like sadness grief rage whatever so just suppress that until I woke up one morning and I realized I mean, wow, I severely want to hurt somebody. And I realized, oh, that's not healthy. So maybe let's take a break. So I took a break, went on a sabbatical. And during that sabbatical, I asked myself, well, I had three major goals. And it was all about arriving at my true self, understanding what authentic femininity means to me, and liberating myself from everything that was not really mine. Like what were habits, concepts, beliefs, emotions that I have soaked up that don't belong to me. And if I let go of that and allow myself to be creative again, what will happen? Who is the person that I will become? And here I am right now. And I realized that my real job or profession is to help people arrive at their core or at their center. So by now I see myself as an inner truths guide or as an authenticity assembler, if you want to call it that way. Does that work 
support your path around helping people do the inner work as a guide, does that support your work on LinkedIn or is that completely a different path? Like, are you using this depth to support your clients in a more meaningful way in the context of them still leveraging LinkedIn as a tool or is it completely a new direction for you? It's completely a, a new direction, although I must say when when somebody approaches me and say, hey, my LinkedIn doesn't want doesn't work, can you help me? Then I say, well, are you willing to figure out what the root cause of that is? Or do you just want to work with somebody who tells you about hashtags and the algorithm? Because if it's about hashtags and the algorithm or how to set up a tripod, with all my respect, I just don't do that anymore because that is, that's not satisfying for my soul. I really, I will be sitting there and this will drain my energy because I'll be thinking, I just, no, that's just not satisfying. That level of riddle solving doesn't turn me on anymore. I personally find it too shallow. So if you're interested in figuring out what the root holding is, if you're willing to go with me into the darkness and I'll guide you towards the light, and that will have an amazing impact on your LinkedIn, sure. If not, well, I know somebody who's really good at that, and I sent it to somebody. The reason I'm asking this question is, you know, I use social media a lot. I produce. I don't consume I don't like spending time on social media because I feel it just sends me into a parallel universe that's not real. But here's the thing. I think a lot of people feel like me. And I think that one of your gifts is your ability to navigate a powerful tool like LinkedIn. But now that you've got this added dimension of helping others do the deeper work. I think that there's more depth and opportunity to add value to your clients. Meaning if someone were to say to me, I could help you amplify your message by helping you clarify your authentic self in the way of, of how you show that and do less of it. That's a, that's a powerful message. But again, it's like, does Natalia still want to dance with that devil? And can you manage that devil, I suppose, which is um, some of the things that you might have wanted to walk away from. If I were to ask you what elements of that work or the work that you were doing previously made you unhappy? I was frustrated that people would have to use so much energy and money and and struggle so hard because they their foundations weren't there. It's a little bit like trying to fly with a broken wing, but by the way, you never learned how to run. So wouldn't it be smart to go back into crawling and then learn how to stand up and then walk. I just, I don't believe in forcing things anymore. If if you try something and it's not happening and it's not happening and it's not happening, 
well, maybe it's the wrong tool, but maybe you also don't have the foundations. And way too many people <laughs> that I worked with, the foundations weren't there. And I just, I, that annoyed me because, Again. I mean, I feel that we live in a, I think there are kind of almost two realities that there is the spiritual reality. Yeah, there is a life full of abundance and joy and bliss that we can live in. But then we're also a human beings having, uh, we're having a human experience in 3D reality. So in, in this 3D reality, energy and time and money and resources are just not abundant. So there is a restriction. We have just 24 hours in a day. And yeah, I think with my German upbringing, wasting time, money, in the, like where does the time, energy, money, being inefficient just annoys the living crap out of me. So I think most probably that was some, or these were some of the reasons then, why I was so frustrated. Because like, this is zero efficient. It doesn't make sense. Okay. But what caused you to get to a point where you felt like you wanted to kill someone? And whether whether you literally, you, you mean that literally, but yeah, I mean, to wake up, and I think we all have those moments, like, you know, I've had those moments as well where you kind of realize that you have hit a rock bottom maybe that wasn't actually even from your work like maybe it was a personal rock bottom but what took you to that point upon reflection where you're like something's got to change I was not honest with myself and I was lying to myself and I was betraying myself I just I literally suppressed all of my emotions since I can think most probably and did ev intellectualized everything. There was no space for feeling something. And I do believe that feelings or our emotions are messengers. They show us something. And I was like, ah, yeah, just stupid emotions, whatever. So there was definitely too much mind, too little heart, and there was too little proper joy like the stuff that would really be fun for me just being creative for the sheer uh just for being like creative for the sake of creativity i didn't allow myself that like whatever i had to do to, it needed to be it needed to have a reason everything needed to be Somehow, everything needed to contribute to my growth or to my business. Then, but there was not enough. Just slow the F down and you know, with the flow and be curious and just just doing things without an end goal in mind. There was definitely not enough. How did this manifest in your relationships with people in a negative way? Um... In negative way that I was not able to reach a certain level of intimacy Good. or a certain level of connectedness with my friends. We would talk a lot about business. We would talk a lot about growth. We could talk a lot about the next steps and about ideas, whatever. But we would never talk about the soul. We would never talk about how do you really see it. We would never talk about, gosh, I'm, I'm, I'm really 
upset or I'm going through grief or I feel as if something is lacking. We would never have these conversations because I wasn't talking about it and I just couldn't relate. My answer would be, I don't know, go and do some burpees. Little the fuck off. Screw it. Part of the experience. Um, so there was no great, not much patience. There was a certain patience, but it was no loving patience. It was, it was just not very warm yeah. and feminine and welcoming and nourishing. It was good enough, but it was not satisfying on the soul level. I want to. It's an interesting one. O- over the years, I've, I've kind of been in the spiritual marketplace for a very long time and not saying shopping here and there, but what I mean by that is like, I've always been very curious and open to different styles. And I, I would say that over the years, I moved from what would have been kind of a a softer, gentler form of spirituality to more performance orientation. That's I've actually evolved the other way. Where I think when I originally got sober, I was into all kinds of things in terms of things that would be more um, regarded as a feminine. You know, I started to investigate things like Tantra and all these different things. And then I think over the last few years, particularly because of my running and the athletic pursuits, it took me more down a path of performance, um, which I tend to feel more comfortable in. But I hit a wall about a year ago through just compounded external pressure. And, it, you know, it impacted my relationship with my wife. And I had to go back into the more nuanced stuff, you know, particularly with my wife and intimacy and things like that. Because this kind of regimented, disciplined performance can mean many different things to different people. Optimization, spirituality. Um, and I think having the kind of skill to understand and flexibility, what's required at the time. And I, and I, and I relate to what you're saying. I really understand what you mean, because sometimes, you know, when you're achieving results, it could be very easy to tell ourselves that we're performance driven or that we're performing well, but are we really performing well or are the outcomes seemingly good and we're still inflexible or not agile or emotionally unstable yeah and then what are you performing for that's the next thing like what are you doing why are you doing this in the first place for yourself for your family for your friends for society are you maybe through your performance because that was my biggest crutch uh, or my biggest um wrong belief I thought that love equals performance. I need to perform to be loved because this is a wrong belief that I've adapted over a certain decade. So I basically needed to learn to sit and to breathe while not performing. I was terrified to my core that if I don't make money, that I, if I don't help other people, that if I don't entertain or edutain everything is going to fall apart I don't get the applause I don't get the visibility and that really sucked because I've never learned how to validate myself I was 
hooked on or I was dependent on the clap clap or likes or whatever of other people, although what I've learned is the only thing that I truly wanted was pure love. I wanted connection to myself, to something higher. I wanted deep intimacy to other people, which is conversations from the soul to the soul. So this top performance and efficiency and whatever was a distorted way of getting what I thought I wanted, which drove me the furthest away of what it actually was that I wanted. So let me ask you this question, because I think for you particularly, previously living in the world of social media and getting the attention that you get on social media, like we can quite easily start to feel like we're really loved, right, through through social media. And so like, how did that, like, did you find that your identity started to become entwined with your persona on social media and you were deriving happiness and sadness and up and down and in terms of like how did how did that impact your state being I mean I guess what I'm saying is I think a lot of us a lot of people feel and understand what you're saying but I think it's exacerbated by being a social media person potentially yeah can you unpack that I definitely was not thinking, acting, feeling in a more nuanced way. It was just a mess. And I definitely allowed social to have an impact or to use social as a mirror to reflect back of how successful I was. And that would mean that if I wouldn't get enough feedback on my content or if I wouldn't close enough clients that would have primarily get through social I would be like mm, is what I'm teaching Ali actually really accurate mm, is it not working for me mm, will it work for my clients so there was way too much weird thinking about that instead of just posting giving your best it works fantastic it doesn't work can you can you change it what are other ways you can uh, generate clients, you know, get leads, whatever. I I definitely feel that I was hooked on cheap dopamine because that's what social media does. It's like, ah, so many likes, ah, so many comments and messages. I think it was Gary Vaynerchuk who said something that almost felt like a booted, teaching or wisdom to be in the sense that don't allow any positive feedback to get to your head but also don't allow any negative feedback to get up into your you know mind or whatever so in the end I think the art of being happy and successful and I mean successful in the physical realm but also when it comes to your heart or some people would say with a soul or whatever it is not getting attached to the yay but also not allowing the, oh my God, it suck, to drag you down. So you are you based on really doing the inner work, on knowing yourself, valuing yourself, integrating all of your shadows, living with this whole huge bouquet of who you are, like all of these aspects or archetypes or whatever, 
and uh, knowing that, valuing that, building strength and character and softness through this journey of life and, and being a little like a baboo, you know, you're here and then when there's some wind, okay, you move. Well, so what? It's like, don't, again, allow any overly positive or negative feedback to get into your head or to tell you who you are. You're so much more than all of that. So you have this moment of, let's call it a, a rock bottom or an epiphany that you want to be and operate in a different way. Mm. And you start to face into the darkness. What does that darkness look like for you? For me, the darkness was about, I was sincerely afraid that certain dark emotions mm. like grief, sadness, betrayal, hate, rage, that they were so huge that they would be out of existence. I was sure that if I fully feel that and go to the edge of that emotion, that my body, like 3D reality, is not capable of, of handling that because it's just too dark. Intellectually, I knew it was crap or bullshit. But, you... but because I've never felt that or consciously felt that because I didn't have the emotional maturity or the tools to regulate my nervous system, I was terrified. And I was like, mm, dipping my toe, and then maybe tomorrow I'm dipping my toe, and whatever. So I I worked with like shamans. I worked with therapists. I worked with healers. I accumulated all of these tools and every day stretch this muscle a little bit more. Like when you go to, you you can't lift so and so many weights. You will then start with 100 kilo, but start with as many as you can. And next day you add a kilo and then another day a kilo until eventually I, I felt I was ready and the container or the space was good enough. I felt safe. And then I really went into that feeling and I, the best way how to put it into words is that I literally dissolved in that pain but I came back and yes a part of me died a part of me has to die to evolve to that next version of myself but maybe maybe the story about the phoenix coming out of the ashes or maybe the story of burning in hell to be reborn again are just metaphors for exactly that deal with suppressed emotions and face our biggest emotional fears, realize we're stronger than that, realize that we're superhuman, and through that, come back as an integrated, mature human being who forgave herself for her own mental and emotional well-being, and through that, navigates as a human, as a thought leader, as a role model for for humanness, for flawlessness, for your, yes, the human experience can be a shit show, but you know what? David, for me. We signed out for that. Yeah. And, and there's really nothing to fear. Yeah. You just become stronger and softer at the same time. And that's beautiful. Does this mean that things don't come up for you in a negative way with the same level of intensity it did before or rather you now have the tools and skills to see it and manage it? Great question. I feel both. So, for example, I mean, 
there are so many emotions out there and so many dark or negative emotions if we want to label them. So I feel that certain emotions, I have sat with them or meditated or danced or cried or a mix out of all of that so much that by now I'm literally not feeling it. It's kind of as if I have that out of my system. And other emotions, they still might come back. And I'm like, oh, you again. That's interesting. I thought we were done, but I was just going to do that. Okay, well, come in. Let's let's have a conversation. Let's let's do that. And it's definitely not as intense as it was. And I, again, as you said, I have the tools right now. So even if something new comes up that I have not felt through, I know that I'm going to deal with it. I know how to deal with it. And if I am still too scared, then I'll ask a friend or I'll ask a mentor and say, listen, um, I never sat with X and the part of me is just scared. Can you be there and just hold my hand or just hold a foot or something that I know that I'm, I'm going to go through this? And you won't believe how helpful people are and how much more they're going to respect you and how much deeper the relationship will be once you have been through that together. Plus you give them permission or you inspire them to do the same work. Well, and this is when the magic of the ripple effect actually starts. And we're going to unpack some of that work and, and some of the the cool and weird and wonderful and uh, out there things that you've done that you really feel have helped you. But I want to talk about authenticity and particularly about, you know, kind of stepping into your femininity. What does that actually mean to you? Because femininity, masculinity even being a feminist can mean different things to different women. And I'm keen to understand, like, to you, what did that actually mean in terms of stepping into your femininity and embracing that? I, last year, starts the whole journey with the question, what kind of woman do I want to be? <laughs> and I was like, I don't know. All of my role models are me. All of my mentors from my whole life almost have been male. I don't relate to women. And then I was like, oh, why? And then I'm like, okay, let me create a list about all the things that I think about women. And I was embarrassed, RJ. I was embarrassed of my own writing and what I was saying. I, I've mentioned it in my book, and I, I swear to you, I deleted that passage, I think, 10 times, and then I copy and pasted it back because I was like, what if people were used it against me? I'm so embarrassed about that. I'm like, no, 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 no. We get that out there to show people the level of ignorance and stupidity while I have forgiven myself. So in my past life, I thought, I mean, past life, like me a year ago, I thought women are chaotic, dramatic, they lie, they manipulate, they cheat, they don't know what they want, they're way too freaking emotional, they don't have clarity in their lives, they're victims, they're floaty, they're hypersexual. They don't know when enough is enough. They consume all the time. You can't rely on them. And the list was going on. I'm like, how on earth do I want to step into my femininity if these are all of my beliefs about women? If I detest what true femininity actually is, but actually that can't be true femininity. I'm just talking about the shadow aspects of the feminine. Hmm. Why do I get so triggered? Because I have not accepted all of that about myself. I'm like, mic drop. Okay. 
Now, let's stick with all of that. So I integrated all of these aspects of myself and um, I allowed myself to be too emotional and allowed myself to, to not know what I want and I allowed myself to be chaotic and all of these things. I allowed myself to be a victim. And uh, after feeling through all of that, I'm like, women are freaking awesome. It's just, so, and I have so many more female friends in my life and I allowed myself to surrender more, to control less. I allowed myself to finally wear all the things that I wanted to wear because I've been living in the Middle East for 14 years and of course it changed. But here in Bali, I mean, I sometimes wear a skirt or an outfit where you can see my belly. I mean, that is for me the craziest thing. I was like, oh my God, no, that's way too sexy. I'm like, yeah, always sexy. So I'm like, I didn't, I didn't. Like I stood, actually, I recently stood in front of the mirror. I'm like, like yummy, I see yummy. I'm like, she is sexy. I'm like, I'm in my late thirties and I, okay, yeah, all my sexiness. That's weird. But it's awesome. It's exciting. So I allow myself to screw up over and over again to figure out what true femininity means to me. And then, you know, having these huge accessories, for example, I always judged women with like feather earrings. I was like, oh my God, they're such hippies. And I'm like, no, no, no. You're going to get yourself a feather earring and you're going to sit with that. Do you know what I like feather earrings? So it's all of these small things um, and about allowing myself to test them, to experiment with them, to see where the judgment comes from. And in the process, laughing a lot, forgiving myself, asking for forgiveness, uh, speaking to other women and understanding that way too many years I was holding a grudge against women and understanding that we're not in this game against each other, but we are in this game together. We are sisters. And if we have the courage to open up and say, well, what you did, it hurt. And I felt betrayed. And how can we, how can we make sure that this never happens again? That is magic. That's healing. Although it might sound a little bit esoteric, but that is huge work that doesn't only help the individual, but I think also, you know, each other on a collective level. Yeah. I mean. It's interesting because I've met many of women historically, and you know, I'm a member of 12 steps, Alcoholics Anonymous, and men work with men, women work with women. And I've had many women ask me to help them. And it's kind of not part of the way we operate because you kind of, you go into sex inventory and we feel it's better in terms of accountability and relatability for women to men to work with men, women to work with women. But I've had many women approach me. I don't trust women. Um, they say it all the time and you know just anecdotal conversation with my wife around such complexity with women in terms of how when I get a view from my wife on you know simple pickup from school with other women the other moms and like there seems to be this whole universe playing out which sometimes I don't know if it's in her head or there's a reality and I'm thinking it must it seems so complicated but does it have to be that way and where does it come from and and maybe it was something to do with i don't know you know our 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 pre-civilization and 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 the nature of how communities work i I don't know but um 
I've always found that really interesting, that, that initial comment that I hear so many times from women, I prefer to hang out with men. Yeah. Um, because I think in many ways, you know, men talk shit, men gossip too, and men gossip in their own way, and men are um, capable of being the victims and dramatizing. I mean, masculine and feminine in many ways are more so energies than a sex, and I, I take that point, but... um. I find that there is generally a simplicity with men and maybe that's what that comment or where that comment is coming from. What's your take on that? Like, why do you feel like when you were a woman that said, I prefer to be around men, where was that coming from? That was exactly as you said, coming from an energy of, I don't trust other women because a lot of, I had so many stories of kindergarten and first grade and fourth grade and fifth grade where my best friends, which were women, really hurt me and mm. nasty things and they did mean things. And at a certain stage, I looked at it and everybody that had ever hurt me were women. So I was like, okay, obviously women suck. Um, and that was, of course, not true. That was all nonsense. Because these were all opportunities for me to actually learn how to set healthy boundaries or learn how to say no or learn how to say that was not fair. Yeah. But because I didn't have the skills and it was more convenient to blame others or to show with my finger on them instead of owning my own stuff and hearing that stuff within me. I think that by now we tend to live in a society in which the majority of people like to point fingers at others, like, oh, she triggered me, and sucks, and the society, and the, and the environment, of course, you know, systems have an impact on us, but do you also owe your shit? The majority of people don't. So maybe both sides working, you on your inside, Oh, is I mean, if everybody would start here, then it would manifest so crazily on the outside. So, really, um, maybe, let me put it that way. I want to invite you. I want to invite everybody to look at everything that happens in your life as a gift in the sense that what is it here for to teach me? How can I slip that into magic instead of, again, being a victim or, you know, pointing with your fingers because I do believe that we create our reality how with our beliefs and our beliefs create our thoughts and our thoughts create our emotions and our emotion then creates situation yes, in which we act and et voila we call yeah. it our lives so maybe it would make sense to regularly go and do some inner spring cleaning when it comes to our beliefs does that still serve me? Especially when stuff happens in your life repeatedly over and over again. And yeah, yeah. it's um, sort of like a, it's stuff that doesn't serve you. For me, this is just the universe saying, hello, human, get your stuff right. Uh, uh, yeah, I'm with that. I mean, it's amazing how many times a situation can happen to us and the same situation. And, and we continue to, to think we were the victim of circumstance. And we don't see how we uh, provoked the situation or maybe played a part in it. And that's a 
that's that's you know that, that work can be brutal at some times, but it's the necessary work, isn't it? Exactly. It's not your fault that it happened, but it's your job to find a solution for that. I'm not blaming you for what happened. I'm just saying that as a grown-up, mature human being, we have two options. We can run away from it and shine fingers, or we can say, okay, it sucks, it hurts, it's terrible, but... What are we going to do? Because if we don't solve that, it's going to happen again and again and again because life is growth and I do believe in a friendly universe. I do believe that the universe or whatever you believe in wants you to grow. It wants your very best. And it starts with a tap on the shoulder. But if you don't understand the tap, it's going to grab your shoulder. If you don't understand the grab on the shoulder, it's going to correct your head. If you don't understand that, it's going to come with a baseball bat to in your face. Out of love! Not out of like, rah, out of love because it wants you to finally freaking heal. All right. Well, we're going to start to land the plane, Natalia, but I want to ask you kind of a, a question that we always ask our guests around habits, but I'm going to frame it in a, in a different way, particularly because I want to understand some of the, the things that you've done in your work to um, embrace deeper levels of authenticity, to integrate your shadows. Like, so what are some of the things that people can do or that you might've done that have really helped you start to step into your authenticity? Like, what are some of those things that you would say have worked for you in terms of practice and then we can you know obviously the way that we would suggest that to the audience is to start to habituate that into their lives the first one is most probably you've heard of 50,000 trillion times writing and journal, journaling but not only journaling the end diary today was a beautiful day that can be one way but combining journaling with deep contemplation, which is an art form. So it's really about saying, today I want to contemplate on this question and I'm really surrender to all of my thoughts and I'll write them down. So that helped me tremendously. Spending time in nature. Because there is, don't ask me what it is. If it is a level of peace, if it is, some people say it's a vibrational frequent, like, yeah, and some people feel turn off just by that thought. But I, as far as I know, there are enough studies that show that if you spend time in nature, it just does something to your whole system and it's healthy for you. So regular, like spending time in nature doesn't mean if it, uh, it doesn't matter if it's in the forest or if it is hiking or if it is by the ocean or by a lake. That helped me tremendously get out of my mind and to arrive more in the present moment and to experience moments of all of really that tree. How many years is that here? Uh, and imagine it's like a tiny little seed and then it turns into this huge thing and most probably it's like 150 years old. That was something. And the third one would be I call it board meetings, 
in a board meeting. So it's another way of putting it is shadow integration. So whenever you feel triggered or whenever you realize stuff happens, then you sit down and you invite yourself to a, it's a mix between a meditation and visualization exercise, but designing time and space to really sit with whatever needs to be solved, whatever shadow wants to be integrated. So for example, your victim is all over the place. You know? Invite yourself and your victim. And maybe you also invite your inner child and you invite the inner caring parent. And then you have a constructive and highly emotional and flawsome conversation. Um, so these three things, yeah. Damn. That that last one was interesting and out there, but powerful. And I think a whole conversation could be had about that. We might have to do this as a part two, Natalia, but... Uh... We will leave it there. But before we go, where can our audience find your new book? And what and and, and generally more about you and what you're doing these days? Sure. So the book is available on Amazon.com. If you're interested in the English version, if you're interested in the German version, Amazon.de. It's available as a paperback and as a Kindle. And um if you say mm, reading, not sure, that's a little bit of a commitment, then you could follow me first, either on LinkedIn or Instagram. That's where you'll find me. And if not there, then I'm literally out there somewhere in the world, being a nomad, a traveler, a storyteller, uh, channeling my inner Dora Explorer and going out there into this world with a childlike curiosity and allowing myself to look at everything and everybody as a gift, as if I've never seen or experienced him, her, it before and challenging myself to see the beauty and the grace and the poetry of what is in front of me and deeply feeling into the situation and through that getting a lot of inspiration and energy and then transform that into stories that hopefully inspire other people to look in that way at reality in the world as well. Yeah, and we will have all that information in the show notes, so all good. Anyways, Natalia, I will let you get back to your beautiful surroundings and your day. Thank you so much for joining us on the show. Well, you're most welcome. Thank you for these beautiful, deep questions and for all the platform. Let's see if people want to part three. Hey, folks, thanks for joining me on this episode. With all the options out there, I am super grateful that you spent time with me i hope that you've received value from this conversation and if you have i've achieved my goal your support is really appreciated if you really really like the show or you want me to know how we can make it better please do leave a review letting me know and the world know your thoughts yeah if you want to know more about ultra habits and what we're doing go to www.ugventures.com co sign up for the quiz you'll get some really good insights into the archetype in terms of your habits and how you can improve your habits in your business and in your life you'll also get a weekly newsletter with some blogs episode updates i promise you we do not spam i absolutely hate spam and i think it's super unprofessional it's all about value so anyways folks until the next episode have a great week take care